From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to a special edition of First Chair, brought to you by Keen. Keen's a values-led, family-owned outdoor brand from Portland, Oregon. And Keen has made doing good part of doing business for more than 16 years. From consciously constructing its products for a lighter impact on the planet, to working with nonprofit partners to protect the places where we work and play, Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place. Now, guest today, I'm really looking forward to this discussion with Brenna Kelleher. Brenna, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, George. I'm excited. Now, we're going to be talking about something that makes me a little uncomfortable, but that's getting out of our comfort zone. <laughs> it should make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Why would we ever want to get out of our comfort zone? Stupid question of the day. Well, uh, life is based on experiences, in my opinion, and without pushing ourselves Uh, across the line or through different boundaries or goals we tend to stay in the same routine and the same pattern and you see that a lot specifically in the certification process now why does that happen in the process and I'm thinking of going out leading training and you kind of are going over the same things uh, maybe doing what you shouldn't which is just working on a specific uh, training movement I think that um, when we go into trainings, people are really concerned about getting the correct information in order to obtain their certification, and they're scared that if they venture outside of the parameters of the written information or what exactly is going to be a task or a demo in the certification process, that people tend to stay pretty rigid because they don't want to miss the information but what that does is it sets them up for regurgitation rather than full understanding so my belief is getting when I'm leading training is to get students out of their comfort zone by pushing them both in the skiing realm and in the teaching realm uh, so that they fully understand what they're actually trying to attain Now, how do we read our students in a way that getting them out of their comfort zone keeps it a learning situation and they're not getting too uncomfortable? A lot of times when I'm looking at who has attended my training clinic, I'll take a few runs and assess what their movement patterns are first. Um, Most students that I'm training tend to ski too fast tend to overcompensate with their upper body and make huge movements in order to obtain something that requires something quite a bit smaller and more refined. So in order to assess that, I'd like to take a couple of runs and just cruise on some groomers and see how they handle a, a blue groomer. That's the greatest area to see what your student's going to do. So once you do that, how do you decide how far out of a comfort zone you can take someone? Well, comfort zones are funny because sometimes their comfort zone is making them go really slow and learn, you know, how to stand on one ski and make a one ski turn without tipping laterally. 
right? So that's a totally different comfort zone than someone who might require more speed or, hey, you need to put it down the hill. And I think the biggest thing in pushing people and getting them out of their comfort zone is recognizing where their limitations are and where their most... um, I would say I'm trying to figure out what word to use, but where their deficiencies are, because that's generally where people need to spend more time and where they need, that's where getting out of their comfort zone resides. Yeah, I'm enjoying listening to you. This totally has taken me back to working with Ellen Post Foster on some skills quest moves and making uh, one ski turns easy with poles okay without pulls but then crossing the arms you know in front of my body and trying to make one ski turns took me way out of my comfort zone (laughs) of course she took away your lateral balance so you had to focus a lot on smaller movement patterns right exactly and it's all on the same terrain but just changing up the task a little bit really affected how comfortable i was Yeah, and I think that's really important when assessing your students and training. Um, And I think one of the biggest things in training our students is making sure that when you're pushing them out of their comfort zones, they understand why you're pushing them. And then in addition to that, they understand the fundamentals around why you're pushing them. And I'm specifically speaking about the skiing fundamentals because if they can't transfer that knowledge of why we're doing it and how, then pushing them out of their comfort zone doesn't really uh, add any value to what you're doing. You are listening to a special edition of First Chair brought to you by Keen. Keen's a values-led, family-owned outdoor brand that's made doing good a part of doing business for more than 16 years. Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place. Now, Brenna, comfort zone and As we started this discussion, it was really about how to help us with our certification. So how can we get specific with this and bring it into our certification? I think one of the best ways to push someone out of their comfort zone and get specific with certification is to challenge your students mentally. Um, A lot of times we think it's on the physical side that we're missing, but we generally miss our the physical side of the outcome because we don't understand intellectually what's supposed to happen. Um, One of the things I like to do when I'm training is challenge a student to look at a task and what demo we might use for that or what fundamental we might use for that task and then ask them to view it through a different lens thing, a different fundamental and how that might apply. I find that that really helps students understand the technical skiing fundamentals and how well-rounded they are when you bring them to the physical side and the actions that you need to do when applying them on snow. Now, Brenna, I've been fortunate enough to take actually a number of clinics with you, and you're special, and I mean that in an extremely good way. You are able to get your message across uh, with enthusiasm and you really inspire the group to try things out. So I think this is a great topic for you to be telling us about. What is it about you that makes you so unique? 
Uh, well, I think I really have a passion for teaching skiing. And more than anything, I find out of my comfort zone, being able to be challenged by each individual and making a change in their skiing and their belief system as far as skiing goes is always one of my goals. So you're able to challenge us on snow. What do you do when you take training indoors or off snow? That's a great question, George. I really believe in physical training off snow. I know that a lot of people find it um, important as well, but I think one of the biggest things is one of the largest myths, I think, in skiing is that you have to be able to lift heavy weights and Yes, you need to be strong, but you go to the gym and you just sort of become a meathead. And that that's not the case. Um, skiing is an explosive sport, so you do need an element of strength. But before you need that, you also need agility. If you can have agility and stability brought into your training programs and work with your movement patterns of your feet and how your body moves and how it balances over your feet... I think that helps tie into better skiing and understanding where movement part, where movement patterns stem from. And to add to that, I mean, I've got to say, I'd love for your you to give us your opinion on this. But to me, what you do in June really affects your performance in December and January much more than what you're doing in November. Oh, 100%. It's a cumulative effort in maintaining your body and your strength and your agility and then continuing to build on that and that's what's so important about skiing is it's a lifestyle and you need to blend all of these different elements in as part of your lifestyle and it it actually leads to a a healthier life as well um but again looking at people's training programs if you're thinking strength 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 and that's it that leads to a very heavy-footed person and less less um when i watch them ski i can watch them trying to muscle the ski and the and force the movement patterns rather than adjust with the terrain and the the changes that are coming in front of them versus like someone who trains with strength agility and stability i think People, they tend to be a a little bit more light-footed on their skis, and they are able to adapt to the different terrain coming and make those movement patterns based on the movement patterns they've learned previously off snow. Stability, agility, and strength makes me think of running gates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's no um, surprise. I do love running gates, and I think it's an element that oftentimes people take for granted, and they they don't recognize as valuable, but it actually is very valuable. Um, gates are interesting. I, I really suggest it when taking yourself out of your comfort zone, get in some gates. If you haven't been in some gates, or even if you have been in gates, get in gates more. Um this gates not only helps improve your overall skiing it helps mentally because it's a sense of accomplishment 
um, however slight it might be. And it also helps with putting your body down the fall line. And a lot of upper lower body separation can come from running gates. And you start to watch yourself on video and understand where your movement patterns you might have specific vices which transfer in in gates and that's where you actually can make the change as well so let's say i'm really comfortable in say a nastar set um should i but i'm not really comfortable in a slalom course so should we be running kind of a variety of gates yes i think a variety of gates is super important and even if you're not initially comfortable in gates to start maybe start with some brushes you know and get out there and see what it's like to turn around something and be required to turn around something um but uh the one of the more important things with running gates is actually being able to have that accomplishment at the end when you complete a course. And even if you don't complete the course, going back for a second time and recognizing where your mistake is and doing it again. So you've got me doing off snow, agility, strength, and working on my stability and lightness and touch and running gates. And none of this is in an exam, Brenna. <laughs> I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, it's so funny. People always ask me about that and I'm like, well, you know, they asked me specifically how I trained for tryouts for the national team. I'm like, well, I didn't actually um, train. I It's sort of my lifestyle, and I just, you know, pushed myself in realms. I knew where I was weak, and then um, that helped me be better in the long run at things I wanted to get better at. So, um, yeah, none of it has to do with exams. And like I said, it's more a lifestyle choice and having those little accomplishments and getting confident with what you can do and then how you do it. I love hearing a national team member talk about where she's weak. Uh, how do you take <laughs> that and push yourself out of your comfort zone uh, to work on those? Well, yeah, one of the things for me, I had a coach that always said, you know, you should, every day you should ski on one ski at least one run. And I try to do that this day forward because I'm still not where I want to be skiing on one ski. So that's one of the things that I do. I try every day that I'm on snow to take at least one run on one ski, um, switching feet back and forth. But also, like, off snow, I'm really, really bad um, at jumping and so I'm really trying to improve on my agility and I just, I, I want to work on my footwork and I'm just, I'm not very good at it. So one of my goals is to push myself in that area. And I think overall that has improved um, my skiing and, and my health, but mostly my footwork. Now, as we start to wrap up, I've got a couple more questions for you. One, let's talk about, I mean, that definitely gets us out of our comfort zone when we're working on our weaknesses. And it's so easy not to focus on the weaknesses. Um, but if we're in a group and you're having me work on something that I'm terrible at, which, you know, you've done with me a lot. Uh, <laughs> 
how do we motivate yeah. our our students or the instructors that we're working with and training to get them to open up and go ahead and try something that's not comfortable for them in front of a group? It's a really good question, George. Um, and one of one of the things I'd say is that you it that comes from the trainers and people like myself who need to set other people up for success to sh- to demonstrate how to take people out of their comfort zone. And you do that by setting your group up with little successes. Uh, one of the things I really like to do is set people up early on, establish the goals early on, and then try to accomplish something early on in the segment and then move into some discovery. So that hopefully whether they get what I'm looking for by the end of the clinic, or maybe it might be a residual thing where they understand it a couple days later. It's complex enough where they take away, they walk away from the clinic thinking about it and continuing to think about it. And then hopefully that encourages them to then try and teach it. Because I am a huge believer of learning how to teach your deficiencies. If you if you don't know how to do something, break it down, learn it, understand it, try and figure out how to teach it to someone else. Because that's where you'll learn how your deficiencies lay out and how you get better, and make them so they're no longer a deficiency. It also puts you in front of a group and makes you a better group leader. Which, thank you for leading me into my last question so easily there, Brenna. (laughs) Uh, And that is being in front of the group. Because one thing I've noticed as a trainer is that what really can take a lot of people out of their comfort zone is talking and presenting to their peers, which talk about something we need to work on when going into an exam. Oh, I think that's one of the biggest fears of that people have going into an exam. I think when they teach lessons, they're in their own element. They're the professional, so they get to be that um, voice and that strength for the their student. But I think when they go into an exam situation, they go into it and they either go into it thinking very robotically, I must teach this, this, and this, and then they don't actually have the understanding of what they're teaching. So it makes them weak in front of the group and presenting. And that's why I encourage people when they go into training um, to get out in front of the group and teach something that they're working on. Teach something that they might not have a full or complete understanding of, but teach it so that they learn how to teach it and what exactly is going on. Um, Don't be scared of feedback. That's my other thing is people get out there and they're really scared to receive negative feedback because skiing is an intensely individual personal sport, but feedback's okay because we're always, if you want to get better at skiing, we're always going to be growing and changing and you got to receive that feedback and try and utilize it and move forward with it. I hate to even ask you this after giving us such a great summation there, but anything you want to add in conclusion? Just be excited about being on snow. I mean, whether you're 
going to take yourself out of your comfort zone by getting into some gates or going ski touring or getting in front of a group or skiing on one ski. Just make sure that anytime you step on snow, you're having fun, you're excited to be there, rain, sun, shine, whatever. Just be stoked because that energy transfers over to your students and to the people around you. And really, we're super lucky to have skiing in our lives. So that would be that would be my final words is just be excited. No matter what kind of skiing you're doing, you're skiing. And it's we're pretty lucky to do it. Brenna Kelleher, it is always a pleasure visiting with you. Thank you so much for joining us on First Chair. Thank you, George. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado. Again, this was a special edition of First Chair brought to you by Keen. Keen, a values-led, family-owned outdoor brand from Portland, Oregon. A company that has made doing good part of doing business for more than 16 years. From consciously constructing its products for a lighter impact on the planet to working with nonprofit partners to protect the places where we work and play, Keen puts its values in motion to leave the world a better place. Thanks so much for listening.